The Christian life can only be lived by those who have received all they need through the merciful provision of Jesus as Savior and Lord. He is the bread of life. We live as we feast on Him and His truth. I'm glad you have joined the radio ministry of the Bread of Life today. This is a listener-supported program sponsored by the International Outreach Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our overseas ministries or our work in our community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 13.7 calls upon its readers to remember those who have, past tense, ruled over you, who spoke the word of God to you, whose faith follow, keeping in mind the deaths they died. Here the subjects are the original apostles of the first church in Jerusalem, but there is a guide here for pastors in the present. A focus needs to be placed upon the pastor leaders to be mindful of what they proclaim, how they back it up with their lives, and whether they carry it through right to their graves. Now, let me this morning take from that some principles for ourselves. And first, let me for a moment speak about pastors and those who labor over churches so that my assumption is that many of you will go on throughout your lives. You'll find yourself moving to new communities, even some of you. And you'll be, and young people, you'll be looking for churches to attend and where to participate and fellowships to join. And I want to encourage you to consider in that fellowship the man who leads and the man who preaches or the men who proclaim the word of God to you. And here are some things I want you to notice. First, for pastors, and I speak to myself here, we are to preach the word of God. It is our duty. It is our duty to faithfully proclaim God's word so that it can be understood and believed and followed, and we are not to draw back from it. We are not to use this opportunity to teach and preach to share our opinions, to provide our personal advice, to give a political message, to speculate on theological and philosophical matters of which we are not absolutely certain founded in God's Word. We are to faithfully teach God's Word when it is being popularly received. We are to faithfully preach God's Word when it's being popularly disregarded. We have to be careful how we communicate it. The very manner in which we share this message with others needs to be guarded so that the very way in which we communicate this truth doesn't overpower and overstate the importance of that word. We have to be careful that what we say doesn't undermine the very heart and spirit of that word. I've learned my lessons this way. I, I remember, and I, I'm not knocking this, I remember a man who came and preached in our church and he told a joke. It was such a funny joke that I remember the joke I have no idea what he preached on. In those days, you had to sit on the platform. And the whole time I was sitting on the platform, I kept thinking about the joke, and I was laughing and giggling through the rest of the service, and I was trying to hide it. I kept looking down at the Bible, and I kept coming back to the joke. Listen, there's a lesson in it. That's why I try not to use too much humor when I'm preaching, because you'll remember the joke. And unfortunately, the joke will be on the Word, because you won't remember the Word. We have to be careful that the very way that we communicate God's truth and as we bring it before people, that we use a means of communicating that is undergirded and fully carried out by the Spirit which wants to, above everything else, exalt the Lord Jesus. Exalt Him. Marshall McLuhan, 
professor in Canada years ago said the medium is the message. What he said was that the very way in which you communicate your message has a bearing on what people understand sometimes more fully than exactly what you say. If there's some truth in it, it means that the very way that we communicate it, we need to be careful how we communicate this word because the word is supreme. What it means is it has to be poured out of an earthen vessel, filled with humility, a certain quietness, a certain readiness and longing above everything else that Christ only might be exalted, Christ only in his word and his truth might be seen. So important was the ministry of the word of God to God's people that the 12 disciples or 12 initial apostles established after the resurrection of Jesus Christ made a decision to set up deacons in the church to rule over the church in Jerusalem so that they could provide for the administrative and personal care of the people of church so that these apostles might devote themselves entirely to the prayerful application of God's word to the people. You can read about it in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. And this word must be drawn up conclusively to point to Jesus Christ as the one who is the authority behind it, the very power of it, the answer to all of its demands, the end of all its promises and hopes, Jesus Christ. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's another thing that I should say about the pastor, and it's that we're to faithfully live out what it is that we're given to preach. We have to faithfully live out what we are given by God to preach to others. The Bible teaches us that the leaders of His church, of God's church, will be more strictly judged. They are the ones who are given the primary ministry of the word to others, and therefore they live more closely to its judgments. The call to preach God's word is a demand not to offer novelties and innovations and interesting speeches and catchy phrases, but to provide a clear witness to the far-reaching implications and the deeply personal implications of God's truth revealed by God's Spirit. A truth that ultimately rests in this. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, Christ is living in you, and He's living in you to carry out an application of God's truth from your inmost being. He is living in you to give you the power and the life to live in conformity to this word and to respond rightly to this word revealed by the Spirit of God. And this is your celebration and this is your expression of the life you have in Jesus Christ. And this is the way in which you carry your light into a world, a broken and fallen world that needs the light of God's truth above everything else. Listen, if a pastor does that faithfully, he better be living that out himself because the pastor is on the front lines of the necessary surrender to this word. He is the first audience to its instruction. He's not allowed to preach only those things that are familiar and fully understood by himself from the word. He's not allowed to preach only those things that he has found himself habitually following and practicing. In other words, he's not allowed to throw his pitches just down the middle of the plate where he's comfortable, where he finds his comfort zone and his deep convictions. He's to preach what God makes known to him as he studies himself. Even things that prior to that moment are strange to him. Even things that demand of him something that he's not to that point given or yielded to. He's to preach those things as well. He's to live in full submission and surrender to all that he reads and all that he studies and all that he understands from God's word. And then he's to offer it to others. It means this, that a pastor is not 
allowed to not preach a truth or an implication or application of God's word because he's not doing it himself. He's to submit to it. He's to yield to it. He's to surrender himself to that truth and be faithful to it. He's not allowed to do that. Another thing he's not allowed to do is to preach it to others if he's not yielding to it to himself. So he's in a bind when he comes to those things. He's at a breaking point every single time he comes to that moment. He's at a moment where he has to choose by faith to fully yield himself to the authority and power of God's word. And then he's bound by God to go and share it with others. And if he's preaching the word and he realizes that moment that he's struggling in that very area that he's preaching on and it dawns on him, his obligation is not to let everybody off the hook by saying, well, you know, but who's perfect? Yeah, you know, but we all have our struggles. No, that's not faithfulness to the word. That's cowardice before the world. That's unbelief before the implications of the word because the word is this. Jesus Christ gives you power if you submit and surrender him to obey all that he asks of you. In that very moment, what the pastor's responsibility to do is to confess it and ask forgiveness and ask the people to pray that he might find and total surrender and abandonment of Jesus Christ, the power and life that's available to him through Jesus Christ to live a life faithful to the word of God. That's the responsibility of the pastor. That's the responsibility of preaching the word is to live a life that's in faithful response to the very word that's preached. Here's the third thing. We're called to be faithful, and this implies finishing well. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, which I referred to, that all that's required of a steward is that they be found faithful. And the older I get, you know, when you read that as a young man, you thought, oh, sure, faithless, we can do that. But the older you get, I realize what Paul is saying. All that's required of a steward is that he run the race all the way until the end, that he endure, that he run the marathon on and on and on and on until he's done. That's all that's required. Just that. Faithfulness. The very idea of endurance is the thing that's being presented here. It ought to be the concern of every leader in the church that above all else they finish well what God has given them to do. They want to be able to say like Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 verses 7 through 8, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not me only but unto all them that love his appearing. This means that life with all of its difficulties and all of its hardships that will continue to bring upon you over and over again is to be continually and consistently and ongoingly and enduringly met with the grace of the outpoured life of the Lord Jesus channeling through us to encounter those things. We're not really supposed to encounter any of the challenges in life on our own. We're supposed to encounter them by the power of the life of Him who is the same yesterday, today, and forever and is living through us. The story of the early church fathers is a story of men who went to death with glowing confidence and trust in their Savior. Actually, if you read the stories, many times they didn't walk to death. They ran ahead of their executioners, and the executioners had to run with them to keep up pace to the place where they were going to go and surrender their lives. They were so eager and so ready to die for Christ. I've shared this story before. It's a well-known pastor and preacher who was very well-known. Keith Price was his name. He was very well-known in Canada. He was a part of a great revival that swept through the 
Midwestern part of Canada, and he had been a pupil of A.W. Tozer as a young pastor. Well, the day came when he was given the diagnosis that he had less than a year to live, and he gathered his children around them, and he told them what the diagnosis was. Then he said to him, now listen, I want you to watch me. All my life, I've wanted to teach you how to live loving the Lord Jesus and trusting in his life, and now I want to teach you how to die in the same way. And he embraced it. I remember when my mother-in-law was passing away and the reports that we received of how Christ was just expressing himself so fully through her life. I remember visiting her in the last days of her life and the, the sense of peace and joy that she had in the Savior. And there was that testimony as well that came upon us when my father was dying and passing away. They ended well, and it's an odd thing, but actually... In it, there was something to be anticipated. Oh, Lord, for that day, that opportunity. I'll only get it once. That opportunity to glorify you and honor you, dear Jesus, to the very end. Because you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And it's your name and your legacy and your persons, that person that I would want people to hold to and remember and draw back upon. Not me, not me. Thanks for joining us today at The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Our fellowship meets every Sunday to worship at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise. 1023 East State Street is our address. Our focus is to know Christ in every arena of life and to make Him known in those same places. For a copy of today's message, you can call us at 208-331-4096 or you can go to our website at breadoflifeboise.org to learn more. Until the next time, may God bless you.